Well, we are in a sermon series called Listen Up, and uh, we're going to be in the fifth letter of the, to the churches that was written in Revelation. This uh, letter was written to the church at Sardis. It's very fitting for today, okay? Very fitting. I wrote down a couple of thoughts. All right. A little bit of ritual we got going on, like uh, turkey dinner, football games, Detroit Lions. What's up with that one? They did a little better this time, right? I thought they almost had it for a quarter and a half. Okay. Christmas lights going up. Christmas trees going up. When it's 60 degrees out on a Friday, right? Black Friday. Pepper spraying people to get an Xbox. Did you hear about that? That's a real story. That's sick. Traditions and rituals. I'm telling you, we've got them going on, and oftentimes we can get so invested into traditions and rituals that we actually do the thing and we lose the reason behind the thing. And that's what the Church of Sardis is all about. So as we look at this letter today, we have one challenge. The question is, how do we do and be all about that? That's what we're going to be looking at. How do we do and be all about Jesus Christ, okay? So as we look at Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6 today, that's the question we're answering. We've got ushers coming forward. They're going to have some Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll get one to you, okay? We're going to walk verse by verse through this section of Revelation 3. So just raise your hands. They'll get one to you. How do we do and also be? Now remember, in these letters, we've broken it down into four sections, and each letter is going to be dealt with the same way. So we've got Christ's character comes first. Each letter starts out with an intro sentence that just explains a little bit about Jesus Christ, some things we need to keep in mind about him, and how that applies to the letter for that day. Okay? So Christ's character. Then there's some commendation, like, good job, way to go, you're getting that right. And then there's some criticism. And then there's a closure piece. All right? This letter is a little different. Sardis didn't really have their act together. So criticism and commendation get flipped. There basically is no real commendation. There's one liner, and we're going to pull that out. But uh, So we flipped the order there, all right? So it's not a typo. It was intended, okay? All right, so let's get going here. Christ's character. Worship the one who builds his church and whom the Holy Spirit glorifies. Worship the one who builds his church and whom the Holy Spirit glorifies. It comes right out of verse 1. It says, And the angel of the church in Sardis, and to the angel of the church in Sardis, write, The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. The words of him who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So, remember, the angel, this is a word that means messenger. It, uh, it can just mean somebody bringing a message. It could be somebody physical or spiritual. In the spiritual sense, it would be the word angel, like the ones with wings that go between God and man and bringing a message. It could be a spiritual message. But then there could also be a human messenger that's being alluded to, and that's probably what this is. Why? Well, because it's saying that the letter written was written to that messenger. So this is probably the pastor over the church of each of these churches, okay? To the angel, the pastor of Sardis, all right? This is a church that's uh, somewhere about 30 miles from Thyatira. That's the one you guys were looking at last week. And uh, Thyatira was, um, well, they didn't do so well, right? And this church is nearby, and they're not doing much better. In fact, this one gets even a little darker yet. They had a a very wealthy city, but a pagan city. It was industry-based. It included things like jewelry, fabrics, and dye. Those things are going to come in handy in understanding the letter in just a second, okay? The fabrics and the dye piece. 
Sardis. They had a lot going on when it came to business. Not a whole lot going on when it came to the church. It says that Jesus Christ has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. Okay, the word seven. This is a word that throughout Revelation it's used to imply perfection, completeness, wholeness. Like I'm telling you, all of God's dot, dot, dot. He's got it under control, right? So when you see the word seven, it's implying completeness and totality. The seven spirits of God. You'll actually see this again in Revelation 4 and 5 alluded to. We talk about the Holy Spirit as the seven spirits. Well, where does that come from? Like, why seven? Well, one thing is that it's, uh, it is the thing of perfection, completeness, the whole of the Holy Spirit. But it also comes out of Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. Let me just read this to you. I'll start in verse 1. They're talking about Jesus Christ here. And then it talks a little bit about the Holy Spirit. It says, There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. Here we go, in the Spirit. And the Spirit of the Lord, first one, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, all capped. Remember, when you see the word Lord capped in the Old Testament, it means his personal name was used. Yahweh, I am. The Spirit of the I am. Meaning like from eternal existence past to eternal existence future, absolutely no beginning and no end. The I am, yeah, his spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of the I am shall rest upon him, Jesus. That's the first, the spirit of the Lord. Second, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The seven elements of the Holy Spirit showing completeness. The spirit of the I am, his very presence personally. The spirit of wisdom, like understanding how to apply it into things of what's going on today. And understanding, trust me, he gets what's taking place. The spirit of counsel, as he leans in, as he guides and directs, as he gives us a leading, especially. Spirit of might, as he empowers you and me. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. That's the Holy Spirit and the seven aspects of the Spirit. One insight to it from Isaiah 11 too. He says that Holy Spirit, well, he's got that Holy Spirit working with him. In fact, we see in John chapter 16, verses 8 to 15, talks all about the role of the Holy Spirit. And it says that he convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. But more than that, it says that he is here to glorify the Son, Jesus Christ. Let that settle for a moment. The role of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus Christ. It is absolutely, completely appropriate that it says that he has the seven spirits of God. Jesus Christ is being glorified by, lifted up by the Holy Spirit. When the church gets all about the Holy Spirit and not all about Jesus Christ, wrong answer. Be very careful. The Holy Spirit's role is to glorify Jesus Christ and Him crucified. God Almighty, clothed in the flesh, sacrificed for you and me, risen again from the dead, our Savior, our King, the great I Am, the Amazing One, and His Holy Spirit. That's who He's talking about. And He says right after it, and He holds the seven stars as well. Remember the stars from chapter 1, verse 20. That's the pastors. He's saying, I'm telling you, I've got these churches and I'm building them. And I've got the Holy Spirit and I'm working with him and he's working with me and he's glorifying me in the church. And I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. That's the intro to our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I just wrote this down. When it comes to the church, when it comes to anything, 
What man builds will fade. But what Christ builds, stunning, powerful, and prevailing. Jesus Christ says that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. When we open this letter, it's note this. The almighty great I am is at work and he's building his church and he's holding the pastors in his hands and the Holy Spirit's working with them. There's a plan. God's in control. Amen. Amen. That's who we have as our king and our savior. It's important that we understand it as we step into this passage, because quite frankly, it gets a little rough after that. All right. So Christ's character. What an amazing God we have to worship. All right, here we go. Second point, criticism. No, we're not out of order. There just is no commendation. Okay, we're going to pick a little bit out here and make it a commendation in the next point. But criticism comes next. It starts in verse 2. So criticism, do not be about reputation. Works are to be a joyful service to your king, not a personal pride builder. I know that's like a paragraph, so let me hang on. Do not be about reputation. Works are to be a joyful service to your king, not a personal pride builder. May it not be about what's going on on the outside. May it not be about what people think about me, but may it be about my service to my almighty king. Okay? Notice what happens in in verse 2 here. I know your works. You have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Remember this word, I know, it means he has a complete and total understanding. It doesn't mean that he's growing in knowledge. It doesn't mean he's learning. It means he's already had it. He'll have it from eternity past to eternity future. Trust me, I get who you are. That's what he's saying. I know your works. You have the reputation. You know, what people are saying about you. You have the reputation of being alive. What people are saying about you. They're saying, man, these guys are involved in a lot of good. They're caring for people everywhere. They seem to be really passionate and committed to showing up to church. Like if I were to judge them from the outside, it looks pretty good to me. People are saying pretty good things about them. They have the reputation of being alive, in fact. Not just good about them, but they're really saying a lot of good about them. They're like, wow, these guys are active. They're regular. They seem to have a ton of tradition. Man's view. God's view. But you are dead. Ouch. Man, may we never be that church. You are dead. Like Jesus Christ is sharing what he sees in their hearts. He's letting them know that he's not seeing a heartbeat of any sort. He's seeing a lot of activity. But absolutely no life. Dead. This is God's view. He's saying, nope, that reputation is absolutely inaccurate. In fact, I see no life. This is fake in the rock. There's no faith here. You don't care to have a life with me. Let's just think about the church this way. Let's break it down this way, okay? Three different kinds of people in the church today, anytime. Three different kinds of people. First, you've got the person who's like, I am the called out one. I'm on fire for Jesus Christ. I want to know more about him. I want to grow with him. The days where I'm not getting it, I'm so remorseful about it. Lord, please forgive me. I want to be back on track with you. I'm running with you. Like, I want to be on fire, white hot for you. Believers on fire in the church, okay? That's one group of people in the church. Another group of people. 
I absolutely have trusted in Jesus Christ. I know who he is. Man, this world looks good. Some serious distraction going on and I'm liking it. I'm feeling good about it. In fact, I like the attention I'm getting and I'm liking the feel good stuff I can go after. And well, someone might even call me carnal. First Corinthians three, loving to be of the world and experiencing the world. Can't even tell the difference between me and a guy of the world. But I'm trusting Jesus Christ as my savior. And then the third group, like, I'm not even sure I get who Jesus is. I may think I even get who Jesus is, but I'm not sure I get who Jesus is. I would be calling myself maybe an unbeliever. I'm not sure why I'm here. Maybe I won't be here next week. Maybe I will. I'm not sure I'll ever trust in this God you're talking about. But somehow I was trained to go to church or I've heard about this church and so I'm showing up. Three different groups of people. Some trusting in Christ, some not. Only one segment actually being impacted by Christ on a daily, regular basis as they humbly allow themselves to be touched. I'm telling you, when Jesus Christ announces to this pastor and to this church, you are dead. He's saying, there's a lot of group two and group three around here. There's a lot of people who are saying, I really like this world. And there's a lot of people saying, I'm very interested in just doing the things of this world. In fact, there's probably even a ton of people just saying, I don't even know who Jesus Christ is. I'm not giving you my life. I don't even know what's going on. It's harsh that a church could end up there. I'm telling you, it saddens me with all I've got. We've got something going on in this church right now. God is moving at Harvest Bible Chapel. And I'm excited about what he's doing here. And I'm excited about what's taking place in people's hearts. And I'm telling you this. It's but a few short decisions away from slipping away. Lord, may we stay faithful to you. Lord, you've got our attention. May we never hear these words about Harvest Bible Chapel Peoria. Amen. Amen. Man. Lord, what we want to hear is you have a reputation of being alive. And you are. Like that's where we need to be headed. That's what we need to be going after. They heard the the nasty words. You're posers. You know what I'm saying? Like it looks good on the outside, but not so much on the inside. You're posers. Say the word with me. You're posers. Just go ahead and say it louder. You're posers. Yeah, that's the plan to set down. Okay? We're not trying to look like it. We're trying to make sure we are that. May we be the called out ones of Jesus Christ on fire for him. Not just doing works, but excited about the king that we can know. You know, this isn't an uh, an unusual message from Christ. I wrote down externals without realities. We've heard it before. Matthew 23, verses 25 to 27. He's talking to the Pharisees. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed self-indulgence. You're like whitewashed tombs. They're clean on the outside, but dead on the inside. Wow. Please hear me on this. We're never, ever, 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 ever calling you guys to just do something. May we have a passion for Jesus Christ and a depth of heart in knowing him. And the actions that are taking place are just a spillover of our heart for him. Amen? Man, it's not about the doing. Forget the tradition stuff. It doesn't get us anywhere. Works get you nothing but a definition of dead. Life comes in Jesus Christ, our Savior, and a heart and passion for him. That's what we need to have. 
Here's what breaks my heart. There's a lot of us sitting in here today, and I'm going to be very careful when I say this, but hear me now. There's a lot of people sitting in here where you might even be saying, yeah, I think I'm a believer. Why? Because I, well, I prayed a prayer when I was a little kid. I said some magic words. And uh, since then, pretty much not doing anything, not caring about anything, but I had some magic words on my lips, and I think I'm saved because of it. And I'm telling you, it scares me a little bit, that gospel present. I just want you to hear me, hear my heart on this, okay? It's easy to quote a couple of words and not mean it. And unfortunately, our Christian church today has taught an easy believism. It's called decisionism, okay? And, and you only have to accept two of the four elements of the gospel. So let's make sure we understand all four, all right? This comes straight out of a James McDonald list. I appreciated the list. I thought it would be important to put down here. Four elements to the true gospel. The first element, knowledge of sin. Okay, it's like I got to understand what the word sin means. And we've talked about it's an archery term, right? It means you're aiming for that bullseye and you came up short and you didn't just miss the target. You hit the sand in front. You completely missed, right? That's the word sin. It's a sports term. It just means you missed. Okay. And the cost of that missing, whether it be in our nature, right? The very fact that we just wanted and hunger for it or in our actions as we acted out. The cost of that sin is eternal separation. From our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23. Well, who does that include? Everybody. Romans 3.10. There is none righteous. Nope. Not one. Man, we got to grasp the knowledge of sin at its core. It is absolutely pervasive. It is absolutely devastating. Sin. It's the first step in grasping the gospel. Second. Just write these words. Him for me. Him for me. If you want the big doctrinal term, it's substitutionary atonement. Okay? Him for me. Jesus Christ dying on the cross for my sins. His shed blood as a replacement payment for what I owe. That devastation of sin can absolutely be overdone. But not by any works I do. That's useless. The works I do, just air balls. Coming up short all the time. Jesus Christ, his shed blood on the cross for you and me. Our almighty king, the great I am. Clothing himself with humanity. Coming to this earth for you and for me. That we can literally celebrate him for all of eternity. Him for me. That's the second point. So the knowledge of sin and him for me. And I'm telling you, those are two great points. But oftentimes people will stop there and say, you just have to accept that. See, and what happens is we're like, so wait a minute, I just have to accept that there's a problem and you've got it covered? Great. Sounds good. Go ahead and take it. Do you see the problem? Like it didn't end up a personal commitment. It ended up a, sounds like you got a lot on your shoulders today, Jesus. Thanks. Go ahead and take it. And we walk away. But points three and four are really what bring it home. For the true gospel, point three, repentance. This means like I'm going to turn from that which was so devastating. And run towards him. Repentance. Are you kidding me? It cost you your life, Christ? And I'm going to go muddle in it? I'm going to go play with it? you got to be kidding me. I'm done with it. I turn from that and I'm running for you with all I've got. Where I'm weak, empower me. May you be absolutely glorified in my life. I'm done with the sin. Repentance. Turning from that sin. And running to your Savior. And then the last one is faith. 
Repentance and faith. They kind of go hand in hand, right side by side. It's trusting him in, in him with all you've got. Humbly seeing him as your Lord. Right? Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you confess him as your Lord. I'm telling you, that's the gospel message. May we grasp that whole message. Hey, you might be in a spot where you're like, I'm not sure I've ever done that whole thing. Where I've literally embraced the whole of that. Then today's the day. Let's be done with saying I quoted some words and I guess I'll count on them for it. Let's instead say, Lord, you've got my repentance. Lord, you've got my faith. I'm running with you with all I've got. I'm hearing you. Please, Lord, may you be glorified in my life. You're the amazing king of the universe. The I am. Meaning no beginning and no end. Absolutely no definition of his existence comes from you and me. Did you know that? He exists in and of himself. The I am. And we can worship him for all of eternity. Lord, you've got my attention. Please hear me as I fall humbly at your feet. Please forgive me for my sin. I'm done. And I want to run to you with all I've got. Trusting in you as my savior. Putting a prayer on your your lips. Look, it's not wrong at all. I'm telling you though, repentance and faith, that's what saves. Be very, very careful. Make sure you know where you stand with Jesus Christ. Please evaluate even this morning and say, am I there with him? Is now the moment that I hand it over? Now's the time. Please hear me on that, okay? It's God's cry for us from this passage. If there's one thing we could hear, we want to hear him say, you're alive. And that's where life comes from. Truly trusting his gospel. How in the world do we get distracted and fall away from it? Here's a quote from John MacArthur. He says, what are the danger signs that a church is dying? Well, a church is in danger when it's content to rest on its past laurels. When it's most concerned with liturgical forms rather than spiritual reality. When it focuses on curing social ills rather than seeing people's hearts changed through preaching the life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ. When it's more concerned with material rather than spiritual things. When it's more concerned with what men think than what God said. When it is more enamored with doctrinal creeds and systems of theology than with the word of God. Or when it loses its conviction that every word of the Bible is the word of God himself. No matter what its attendance, no matter how impressive its buildings, no matter what its status in the community, such a church having denied the only source of spiritual life is dead. John MacArthur, powerful quote. Lord, may we never lose sight of your word. Man, we want to stay in line with him. We want to run with him hard. Lord, let me see the life in your word. Let me see the hope in your word. Let me see the power of having life with you. I'm telling you, we can open up the word and find every single place where it says we're wrong, right? Uh, And then we walk away and we're like, I'm devastated with the Bible. Well, how about opening it up and seeing where he's right? The great I am, an amazing king, come for you and for me. Hope like never before. The story of the Christmas season is simply that. We've got a God who came down for you and for me. Wow. What a privilege. Amen? Amen. Man, may we worship him for that. So these guys were being criticized for going after reputation and personal pride building. They were being called posers and told the church was dead. 
Man, what do you do if you are? How do you get rid of this disease? Is there a solution for it? In fact, there is. He gives us five steps. Okay? So here we go. Verse 2. Step 1. Wake up! Did you know that? Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Wake up! It basically means get attentive. Be like a sentry or a guard. So these are the five steps to killing the disease, all right? The first is wake up. Second, strengthen what remains and is about to die. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. Put some energy and some life into those things that are about to die. Notice it says, in what remains. In the original language, this is in the what they would call a neuter form, all right? It's not referring to people. It's referring to things. You've got some things that have some life and truth in them, and you're about ready to lose even those few things. Don't lose sight of the truth and the elements of truth. Grab on to the beginnings and the basics and the core of who Jesus Christ is and make that the center of who you are. Pump life into your church as you grab onto the truth of who he is remember and strengthen okay so it says wake up strengthen what remains and is about to die for I have not found your works complete in the sight of the Lord your works are not complete Have you ever heard this phrase partial obedience is disobedience Right? Or maybe another way to say it. Partial obedience is not obedience at all. Right? Like, let's make sure that we understand full obedience is where we're called to. And I think that's part of what he's saying here is you missed some of what I asked you to do. But I think it's more than just calling to actions. I think it's also saying actions without heart. That's disobedience. See, he actually wants us to embrace the wholeness of being with him. And we're missing it. He's not saying, please, do some rote events that look as if you know me. Like, that's not the request. Hey, please, could you do me a favor? Fake it a while so that people think I'm real. Did you know that's not Jesus' plan? Did you know that? Yeah, that that calls for a verbal answer. Did you know that's not Jesus' plan? Yeah, like that's not his plan, okay? His plan is that you could literally meet him personally, powerfully, passionately, directly, that he would change your life. And in the midst of that, you couldn't help but say something to the person next to you. And all of a sudden, testimony spilling out everywhere as the power of God is at work in you. That's what he's looking for. He's saying, wake up, strengthen yourselves. It's time to be complete in me here. Not partial, but complete. Whole heart, whole action, all in. You wouldn't believe what I have in store for you. That's what he's saying. The solution to a church that's dying. Wake up. Strengthen that which remains and is about to die. Make sure those works are going complete, right? Third one. Remember then what you have received and heard. I think he's talking about the gospel message here. Remember who Jesus Christ is. Remember what God is all about. Remember then what you have received and heard. And then the fourth one, keep it. Like it's one thing to cognitively recall. Oh yes, I recall such an event, right? I remember such said facts and I've recorded them down on this piece of paper, right? And then you walk away and you don't do anything. He's like, keep it. That's the step next. I need you to literally begin to execute on what you've heard and seen and known You're drifting. I need you to come back. He's calling out to the believers. It's time for you to step up. He's calling out to unbelievers. You've heard. You've not acted on it. 
It's time for you to act on what you've heard. I'm telling you, it's time for you to experience life like never before. He says right after it, not just keep it. Then he says, and repent. I found it interesting that word was last. I still don't know why. I've done a lot of study. I can only tell you, I don't know. It's a good question to ask him when we get there. Why not first with repent? But I'll tell you this. He's saying in the end, fifth step, absolutely start. Lord, please forgive me. I'm done with that. And I'm turning a new direction. I'm heading for you. I've now recalled. I've now got it. Right? Are you hearing it as you go along? It's like, wake up. Now your eyes are attentive. Okay? Put some strength in it. Start recalling the truth. Okay? Now start keeping it. All right? Start repenting where you're not getting it. And now you're getting some fire. Are you hearing it? How to stir up the coals in your own life. Nice five-step process right here. All right? So if you need to, go back, check verses 2 and 3. You're going to be amazed at how God can turn your life around when you run after these. Notice he says, if you will not. Okay, we've talked about this before, but when you hear these words, they're not good words from Jesus Christ, right? If you don't do what I'm saying, if you will not, I will come like a thief. How does a thief come? What are some words? How does a thief come? Silently. What's that? Unannounced. Yeah. It's not a good thief who says, I'll be there Thursday night at 1130. Right? Right? Thief. You're coming unannounced. You're coming quietly. And you're coming to take. All right? Christ is saying, you better watch it. I've entrusted you with the church. There will be a season where I might say that's enough. When Christ declares something dead, he does protect the remnant. Just watch that. It's a big story throughout scripture. And those who are truly his and running hard after him, he will absolutely protect. And that's what he's coming in to do. He says, I will come against you. Man, we do not want to be standing against Jesus Christ. When we talk about the great I am... We get pictures that are too small. We're like thinking inside this room, maybe a little bigger than me, right? You now need to start thinking universe, right? You need to start thinking entirety of everything holds in his hand coming against, okay? The great I am, the amazing God of the universe, the one who has stepped down into our lives, absolutely here for you and for me, he willing to help pull us along. And he's got an awesome command to do it. All right. Just a little story here. So this past weekend um, was shotgun season for deer hunting. Did you know that? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my daughter, Megan, and I went up shotgun hunting for deer. And uh, so we went out uh, Saturday morning. And uh, we were hunting Saturday and Sunday. And uh, up up north in northern Illinois with family. And uh, Saturday was... Um, well, it was a deeply depressing day for Megan. Like every deer in the entire woods for the entire couple of mile area where we were ran past my uncle and my dad and not around us. So we sat there all day long and all we hear on the radio is deer coming this way, deer going that way, my uncle shooting, nothing happening. We're just sitting there. Okay. And this is like two years for Megan of basically seeing and hearing that. She's like, I don't believe you. I don't think anything happens during deer season. You know what I mean? <laughs> So we're sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting. And we get to Sunday morning and nothing and nothing. And I can see her emotions are starting to come down a lot. And um, 
you know, we're out there Sunday morning and she ends up getting a shot at a deer close, but there was trees in the way and all that. And she, she missed that shot and it was, it was a hard shot. And, uh, I mean, I'm telling you, I think she hit new lows that moment. And, uh, we went out, we, we drive the deer in Northern Illinois. For those of you who know what that means, you're like kind of pushing the deer along. So we're last drive. We're out there right before noon. And, uh, I watched my daughter quit. She picked up gloves, put on these big, heavy gloves, winds blowing. She just kind of hunkered down and her head just went. And she was out. And I'm sitting there and I hear my dad saying they're coming up to the top of the hill. They're almost done pushing the drive. And I'm like, like this is when the deer come typically. You know what I mean? And as I'm looking up, I'm thinking, they usually come right about, and I see legs coming through the woods. Okay? I'm seeing deer coming. And I go, Megan, wake up. Okay, try to whisper that as loud as you can. <laughs> and not let the deer know you're there. You know what I mean? Wake up. And she does one of these. She kind of wakes up a little bit. I go, wake up, gun up, gun up, deer right there. Like I start talking in little command sentences with no subjects. I don't know what I'm doing. You know what I'm saying? And she she stands up, just delirious. She kind of stands up. Well, the deer were like, they got in. They were on a full tilt. They got to about 15 yards away. And she stands up with them 15 yards away. This thing, if you ever seen a deer do a dance on two legs? I mean, hits the turf, jumps up in the air, reels around, starts tearing the other way. She reels back. She ends up, I'm, I won't go into any details, but nice running shot. I'll just say that, okay? So Megan put a doe down, and we had a nice time afterwards talking it through. I'm telling you the key words, wake up. Wake up. If we were just sitting there and I let her slumber, they would have run right past. In that moment, she did wake up. She woke up. She figured it out. She got her wits about her, and she pulled it all together. That's what we need to be doing as a church wrestling with whatever we're at. If we're starting to slide, I'm telling you, it's time to hear the wake-up call, strengthen that which remains, remember what you've been told to do, keep it, and go hard after it with repentance. Lord, shake me to the core. I'm ready to do this for you. I'm ready to follow you with all I've got. So the challenge. If you're the hardcore strong believer, you're like, I'm on fire. I got it going on. My challenge to you is this. Just be ready to heat some people up around you. Strengthen that which remains. Be ready. Lord, use me. May more people be on fire for you at all times. I'm telling you, we're just always several degrees away from that dead call. It's a shade. It's not a black and white. And if you're sitting in that, I don't know, I like the world and it's kind of got me distracted. It's time to say, strengthen it. Remember what you've been given. Keep and repent. Lord, light me up. I want to experience this fire with you. I've never seen it before. I don't know what that means. I'm ready to experience it today. I'm done with the sin. I'm setting it down. May I be with you for an exciting eternity. And maybe you're standing in the, I've never trusted in Christ. Today's your day. Right now, Lord, you've got my attention. I'm listening to you with all I've got. Take me, shake me up. Please forgive me. Use your shed blood. I'm ready to be yours. Where are you at? We're one of the three. What are you going after? May this church be on fire for Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Find where you're at and step up. Let's watch God change us. Okay. Third step, commendation. Do not allow the sin of this world to draw you away from Christ. Do not allow the sin of this world to draw you away from Christ. Isn't it amazing how everything comes back to a deer story somehow? I don't know. All right. Still mulling through that in my head here. 
All right, notice it starts out verse 4. Yet. You know, like, but. Like, in opposite to that, right? Yet. So in all that bad stuff I just talked about, you do have still a few names. Not many. Not most. But few. A few names. Not so much even that it changed the definition from dead. It left the overall church still defined as dead. But a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. People who have not soiled their garments. This word soil literally means to wallow in the muck, to sit in a pig pen. That's what it looks like. This soiling isn't just like, oh, I got a little stuff on me. This is like you're, you're in the muck up to your neck. You're rolling in it. You're laying in it. You smell like filth. You are absolutely invested for the long term in it. This is disgusting what you're doing with your garments. And the garment usually means character when you see it in scripture. When it talks about what you're wearing or clothing yourself with, it's talking about character, right? Like put on the character of love and Right? So he's talking about this character that you've got seems to be just wallowing in the muck of the world, soiled garments. There's a few that haven't done that. In fact, they're wallowing with me in the light and the purity and the holiness. They're spending time with Jesus Christ. And the reward for that is that they will walk with me, future tense, for eternity in white. Purity is yours. An unbelievable set of digs. Nice clothes, man, in white. For all believers who are hanging with him, we get to walk with him for all of eternity. You know, all too often we can oversimplify this and walk away and we end up kind of, eh, it just becomes sort of a trite statement. We get to walk in white. What's going to be like in heaven? I don't know. You wear white. You know? Sounds boring. Where's the color? Right? Go and read Revelation 20, 21, 22. Man, you'll see some amazing color explode onto the scene. There is an unbelievable brilliance to being with him. And he's saying you have a chance to literally spend eternity with the most stunning, creative being in the universe. And he is absolutely loving and gentle and tender. And he knows you from the deepest core of yourself. And he's called you to the highest heights. And he's going to hang with you for forever. Introducing you to anyone and everyone he knows. The great I am. And you're right with him. For eternity. Are you hearing it? For eternity with him. Man, if we start yawning on that, we missed it. Like, I got to do a better job if we're yawning there. Like, what are we talking about? Eternity with the most stunning being in the universe constantly keeping you elevated to heights of passion and fulfillment like you wouldn't believe that's what we need to be hearing when we hear this okay it's not a statement to wardrobe it's a statement to an unbelievable lifestyle for they are worthy let that settle for a moment who's worthy I mean, we actually know from Romans 3.10, nobody's worthy, right? There's none righteous, nope, not one. What makes them worthy? Uh, Jesus Christ in their life. They're clothed with his righteousness. What an amazing privilege we have to literally be able to turn and spend time with him. And he reflects upon us as worthy because of what he did. Where he says, I'm telling you this, I see where you're at, and I see your trust in me, and I'm working with you, and because of all that, worthy. That's where you are. Now, they're putting in effort and they're working for it. And I'm telling you, as our faith in him fills up, more and more spills out to works, okay? So please don't hear me. This isn't a call to a no works 
faith. But this is called to faith absolutely on fire, faith first. And it spills to works galore as you thank him. That's what works are. This giant thank you offering as you serve the almighty savior for all of eternity. For what he's just done for us that we could never do for ourselves. Thank you Lord. I'm in awe of who you are and what you've done for me. Works spilling from our faith. The faith making us worthy because of what he's done for us. What a privilege. He's calling us to step out. To really to stop. To stop and to hear what we need to know and to run after him. He's praising the few. May we respond to them. It's amazing how important that word stop is. Okay. Uh, this past week, we were actually taking our uh, grandkids up or our kids up to my parents. So that made them their grandkids. Our, our kids. So we're, whatever. So we're taking them up on Tuesday night to drop off. And it was rainy out. And we're stopped at this four-way stop. I swear it was a four-way stop. Technically, legally, it was a two-way stop. And they didn't have to stop. My wife was astute. She was awake. She noticed this. As we're talking, and I'm like, do I go right or straight here? We're kind of back roads in it. And she goes straight. And I go, so I start to step on the accelerator. She said straight. Here we go, right? And I step on the accelerator, kind of clueless. And she screams the word. I won't scream it because I have the mic on. But she screams the word stop in kind of this screechy, loud, like freaking out. The kind that puts fear in your heart. So you hit the brake. Like I hit the brake and stopped. And cars go, like four cars at 55 miles an hour zip past us. I mean, we were almost T-boned. Tuesday night, John has saved our lives. So, of course, I looked at her and I said, aren't you happy I listen well? <laughs> I had absolutely no clue what you were telling me to stop for. But I just stopped, man. That was good, right? And she's like, whatever. You almost killed us, you know? <laughs> Getting T-boned by sin. How many of us are there? I'm telling you, hear the word stop, screamed at the top of your lungs, and hit the brakes. It's time to get out of the way of the traffic of sin. It's time to run hard with him. Man, we have a chance to walk with him for all of eternity, celebrating him with all we've got. May we wake up to who our Savior is and celebrate and glorify him with all we've got. So my question to you is simply this. Are you, uh, are you wallowing in sin? Or are you just spending some amazing time with your Savior? Are you letting the great I am, the amazing capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D of the universe, spend time with you and shape you and change you? Hit the brakes. Turn it around. Spend time with your God. Okay? It's the best way to hear you are alive with all you've got. So that's the criticism and the commendation, the closure. Celebrate your eternal life and being personally known by God the Father and God the Son. Notice what he says here. He starts out in verse 5. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments. We've talked about this before. The one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. Remember this one who conquers, 1 John 5, we talk about he, he loves God and he believes in God. And those who love God and believe in God, guaranteed to be able to overcome in this world. Victory, conquering. 
And as we conquer, we literally are bringing him glory because of his work in our life. The one who conquers, meaning believers who conquer, will be clothed thus in white garments. Every believer clothed in white, conquering is yours. Well, I'm not sure I'm experiencing any victory at all. Well, then let's talk. Okay? I'm serious about this. I'm not experiencing any victory at all. Call us. We need to be talking. Because life can be had in Jesus Christ. And power can be had in him. And I'm telling you, an amazing opportunity to have him change you from the inside out is yours. If you lean on him and trust in him, may he be given the glory in your life. That's what it's all about. Notice it says, the one who conquers will be clothed in white garments. I will never blot his name out of the book of life. Meaning, your name, book of life, you in eternity with him in heaven, never ever taken out. Not written in pencil, not written in a pen that can be erased. It's there for eternity. You are his. Name never written or blotted out of the book of life. This is uh, an awesome passage for eternal security. Okay? I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That one blew by me at first. And I got to tell you, just imagine this. You're like walking along with Jesus. You're walking along in heaven. The great I am. I have no idea how big he is as we're standing next to him. And he's like, Bill, get over here. You got to meet Susan. Let me introduce you to Susan here. Come here, Bill. And then he's calling the angels. Gabriel, get over here, man. Check this out. Like first name. And oh, by the way, I got a private name between the two of us. Not sharing it with you. It's written on a white stone. We put it out through that in another letter. I'm telling you, this is my child. I love being with these people. Come here. Check this out. Like everywhere he goes, people are just kind of thronging. Do you know what I'm talking about? That's what we're talking about. The amazingness of Jesus Christ. Throughout heaven for all of eternity, you with him, and he is declaring that he knows your name before the Father, meaning judicially, justly paid for. Oh, oh, I know that one. Covered. That's what he's saying about you and about me. If you trust him as your savior, he's saying that one is your child, Father. That one absolutely blood paid for. And let me tell you all about him. I love the sister or brother of mine. An eternity with him where Jesus knows our name, where God the Father knows our name. The angels are getting introduced to us. They're like, dude, I was watching you on heaven, in, from heaven. Like, I know what's going on in your life. The angels watching, celebrating when people are coming to know him. This is a huge storyline going on. And here's what I love in the end. This is what he wants us to hear. Now, I've done this every time, right? Like, how many of you have ears? Do you have an ear? Take your hand, cup it, go ahead and put it up. Got to do this. He who has an ear, let him hear. Like, are you hearing it? He who has an ear, let him hear. This is what he wants you to hear. Eternity with your almighty great I am is yours. Him glorified. You completely satisfied. That's the plan. A church on fire for Jesus Christ. When somebody looks, they say, I see a reputation of works. And God Almighty looks and says, and I see a heart of works and a heart on fire for me. What I love is that these people get who I am. They're just not going through the ritualistic rote stuff. It's a privilege 
that we have to be called alive with him. My prayer for you, my prayer for each of us, is that we can know the great I am with all we've got. That we could literally come to know him, maybe right here, right now for the first time. Maybe coming back to him. Like, Lord, wash me clean. I feel filthy sick. I'm wrong for what I was doing. Please forgive me. I'm done with that. I want to be with you. I want you celebrated in my life. I want you lifted up and glorified. You are the amazing one who has no beginning and no end and no dependence on anyone anywhere. The I am and I'm leaning on you. You've got my attention, God. Man, if we want to be that church where he says, you have the reputation of being alive and you are, then this is what we're called to do. Let's pray.